We're so glad that you're here and I uh, hope that you enjoy the worship led by Heather this morning. Thank you, Heather, for leading us in worship. And, um, and this week, um, I want to talk about two quick things before we dive into the message. But this week is uh, two things. Um, starting tomorrow uh, at 3.13 p.m. and every day for the month of May at 3.13 we're going to have a time of prayer. You'll see on our Facebook it'll be, uh, every day at 3.13, um, a, a, a short message, uh, a verse, and, and a three-minute time of prayer. It'll be a short time of prayer by different pastors from all over our state. And we're going to be praying for Detroit in 313, the area code. And we're going to take three minutes. We're going to challenge you every day at 3.13 to jump in. Or if you can't jump in, just take three minutes at 3.13. Pray for our city during this time that we're in, during this pandemic. And, um, and how cool would that be that churches and Christians all across our cities, all across our state, were praying for God to do something powerful because God's at work, and we know that. And we're just praying for God's power to be revealed in our city. So starting tomorrow, I hope you're joining in on that at 3.13 p.m. every day and uh, be a part of that. And then this Thursday, May 7th, it's, uh, it's the annual National Day of Prayer. And here at Lake Point, we want to be involved in praying for our city. And so we're going to have two times for you to be involved in prayer here at Lake Point. Uh, we're going to do it at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, on Facebook Live on our Lake Point page. And uh, we'll have a short 15, 20-minute uh, time of prayer to start off our day. And then at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a Zoom link, and we'll provide that this week, um, a link for you to dive in, to jump in. Um, if you can't watch it online, you can just call in and listen. And, uh, and again, we're going to take 15, 20-minute, and I hear from different uh, leaders in our church, and we're going to take time to pray on National Day of Prayer that this Thursday on May 7th. And so look for those two things um, this week as we pray and um, as we talked about last week that when we need wisdom, the best thing we can do is, is to pray. And so well, we're glad that you're here. Thank you for joining. And uh, again, my name is Pastor Scott, and this is uh, Lake Point Church in Shelby Township, Michigan. And, uh, and a couple things here that you need uh, is maybe a handout note. And you're like, man, I like my handout note. And you can get one by uh, typing in the word handout. You can text the word handout to 586-800-0432. And uh, you can get a link and get a copy of our handouts. And you can follow along in this message today. We've been in a series called Stuck. What to do when there's nothing that you can do. Or what, do you, what can you do when you don't know what to do? And, uh, and some of us, you know, we, we, we've experienced this. We're, we're, we're stuck. Whatever circumstances or situation in life, you're like, man, I don't know what to do. And you feel stuck. I was online this past week and just looking at some pictures of people having a very bad day or maybe they're just about to have a bad day. Here's a couple pictures I want to share. The first one is, is uh, I, I like to call this, you know, I came in for a tire rotation. What happened? And, uh, and this, is, this is kind of a bad day. You know, you came in for a tire change and you got something else. Uh, here's another one. And uh, you know this guy's about to have 
a, a, a very, very bad day. You can just kind of see it in the faces of our spectators, and they're all thinking, yeah, this, this is not going to end very well for this guy. And, and then you see the picture, and, uh, you know, this guy, he can be feeling it for a long, a long time. But here's my favorite one. It, uh, yeah, I like to call this, man, I thought you had it strapped down. You know, what happened here? And so this is a bad day. This is a bad moment. And I want to talk about having a bad day. What do you do when you're stuck in a bad moment, a bad day? Maybe you're stuck in a bad month, a bad season. Maybe it's been a bad year. And today I want to be teaching from the story of Daniel and, uh, and talking about Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to learn some lesson from their really, really bad day when they were thrown into a fire. We're going to talk about what that looked like. But before we jump into a fire story in Daniel chapter 3, I want to read you a verse of scripture that I think will help us set the message or the, set the direction of our message today. It's 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 7. These trials, whatever, whatever trial that you're going through, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine, that, that, it, that it's real, that it's the real deal. It is being tested. It's fire test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And Peter said, these trials that we're going through our lives will reveal your faith. It will show you that your faith is genuine. And so if you're taking notes today, if you're taking notes, here's our key thoughts, and I hope you'll write this down. A faith that tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Now, last week, we talked about a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. We talked about who he is, the most powerful king um, ever at that point in history and the most powerful man in the world at that time. And in Daniel chapter 3, as we kind of look into this new chapter that we're looking at today, in, in the early part of the chapter, he decided to build this big, tall gold statue. And the statue is 90 feet tall, about 9 feet wide. And it's a pretty big golden statue. And then he tells everyone, and says, hey, he tells all the government leaders, all his advisors, all, all of his um, magistrates, his advisors, his judge, and says, hey, I want you all come to the dedication of this, of this statue. And we kind of pick up the story in Daniel 3, verse number 4. He said, they shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, Listen to the king's command. And so when you hear the sound, and you talk about the band, when you hear the sound of the band, it said, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar and go statue. Anyone who does not do this, anyone who refuses to obey, will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. If you keep reading on in verses 12 to you know, 12 and 13, 14, and 15, you're going to see that everyone hears the music. And it starts to play, and everybody, 
they start to bow down and start worshiping this idol. Everyone bowing down except for three young guys who's standing tall. Even when they're faced with the trial of a hot burning furnace, they're standing up because of faith that is tested with the faith that can be trusted. And so let's talk about this kind of faith today. Let's talk about the kind of faith that we need to have when we're stuck, when we're going through those moments, uh, difficult times in our lives, a faith that can be trusted. What kind of faith do you have? And um, I'm going to talk about three qualities of faith as we look in Daniel chapter 3. And if you're taking notes, here's the first point. Faith that obeys God instead of following man. It obeys God instead of following the crowd. Everyone is bowing. Everybody is worshiping the, the, the golden statue. But the three boys, they're standing up. They're not worshiping. They're not bowing. And so they're taken before the King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, they grab him. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, he gives them a, a second chance. You know, if you notice, we've already read it. He said that if you don't bow down, that immediately you do not pass go. You do not collect $200. You're thrown into the fire furnace. But, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, I think he kind of liked these guys. So he said, listen, guys, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if you're hearing impaired. I'm not sure if you're deaf. And I'm, I'm going to kind of say it again. And I uh, built this beautiful golden statue. And when you're supposed to hear the band, when you hear the band playing, you're supposed to bow down. And if you don't, if you don't bow down, then we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And so I hope you guys understand that. Do y'all hear me? And I, and I love the response in verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, uh, watch this. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, and I love this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. I mean, how cocky is that? I mean, here are these young guys maybe 14 years old, some say maybe a little bit older than that, they're staring down the most powerful king of the universe, and of the world at that time. They're facing the powerful king. They're facing imminent death in the furnace. And they said, hey, listen, we don't need to answer to you. This is not between us and you, O king. This is between us and God, and we're going to obey God. See, faith obeys God instead of following man. These guys didn't say, hey, we need to pray about it. They didn't say that. And hey, O King, we've got to think about this. They didn't say that. They didn't say, oh, King, we've got, to, we've got to have a fast. We need to think about this to pray about it and have a fast. They didn't say that. They, they didn't take the dramatic circumstances of this moment and blast it on Facebook and, and throw out a question, hey, what do y'all think? They didn't do that. Here's what they did. They had one predetermined plan, and that was obedience to God, period. That's it. We will be obedient to God no matter what. Faith obeys God instead of following man. Uh, uh, by the way, it would have been so easy. It would have been so easy for these guys to compromise. They're just rationalized. Everyone's bowing down and worshiping. And these three boys, they could have said, look, look, let's just go ahead and bow down. Let's just pretend that we're worshiping this ridiculous statue 
And uh, but in our hearts, we're not gonna be worshiping that statue in our heart. We'll be singing out the song Waymaker. You know, and we're gonna be worshiping quietly because we know who the one true God is, and we know it's not that statue, but hey, let's just kind of save face and we can still be alive. They could have done that. They could have done that, but they didn't. Or they could have said, you know what? Let's just worship the idol, and then we'll go to bed, and I know in the morning we'll feel all bad about it and feel guilty, and, and how, how many times have we done this, right? Uh, you know, we can just ask God to forgive us, and life goes on. I mean, we, we've kind of done that. I know I have. Maybe you have too. We just kind of rationalize it. You know what? God can forgive us. We just kind of go through it. I know we'll feel guilty for a short little bit, but they didn't do that. They, they could have said, you know what? You know, guys, they're all bowing down, but here's an idea. You know, here's a rational thought. You know, if, if we don't bow down, uh, uh, they're going to kill us. And who can be left to tell everybody about the one true God that is Jehovah? I mean, we'll be dead. So, you know, let's go ahead and bow down so that we can still be alive and tell people about who God is. They could have done that. But they didn't. They did not compromise. They had a predetermined outcome, and that is we will honor, we will obey God, we will not follow what everyone else is doing. And I promise you, if, if you're a follower of God, if you're a follower of Christ, and you're truly trying to follow God's plan and purpose for your life, that, this, that Satan, your, your spiritual enemy, he can show up and give you ample opportunity, many opportunities to compromise what you know to be true and what you know to be his purpose for your life. But we will not listen. We will not go there because our faith focuses on an audience of one. We will follow after God. Now, when I was called into ministry when I, when I was a young teenager, and I would tell people, you know, that I was going to be a pastor or be in ministry, and I had a lot of people that said, hey, man, that's awesome. God, we're so glad that you want to do that, and praise the Lord for your calling in your life. But I've had good, well-meaning people that come to me and say, Scott, why, why would you do that? I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, think about it. You know, you're deaf. You can't hear. You can't, you, you kind of talk funny. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is not what you're supposed to do. You know, and plus, it doesn't pay that great. You know, think about all the other stuff you can do. Think about all the other stuff you can go after. But I don't know, God, that this is in your wheelhouse. I had some great people, good friends, that meant well and, and, and questioned my calling. Listen to me. There are going to be seasons of life where God is going to call you to do something. And good, well-meaning people, they're going to be like, man, you're crazy. Why, why would you do that? And my friend, faith, it obeys God, not man, even when it doesn't make sense. So faith in the fire, what does it do? It, it, it obeys God. It obeys God. It doesn't listen to the comment of the, of the crowd. It, it doesn't go with the crowd and follow the crowd. We obey God and him alone. But here's the second thing about faith. It's that faith obeys in spite, in spite of what it sees. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse, uh, I believe verse number 3, that, that faith is the evidence of things not seen. And in Daniel chapter 
3, verse number 17, we see this. We see this played out. The, the, the boys, that they were thrown into the blazing fire, the blazing furnace. The God whom we serve, he is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. He is able to save us. And we kind of talked about that last week, that we have a God who is able, and he is able to save us. No matter what I see, no matter what I feel, this guy said, I believe that, that my God, not only is he all powerful, but also believe that he is able to save us. He is able to rescue us. No matter what I see, no matter what you see, your faith, my faith says that God is willing and that God is able. No matter what I see, I might see a bad medical report. But my faith says that my God is willing and is able. He's willing and able to heal. No matter what I see, I might see a broken relationship. But my faith tells me that my God, he is willing, he is able to restore that relationship. No matter what I see, no matter how I feel, I might see a dangerously low bank account. But my God... He is willing, and he is able to, pro to provide. God is willing, and he's able to do it exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think. And my faith, he, he, he obeys and believes in spite of what I see or don't see. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know that God's with us. He's with us, that God is good. God is faithful, that God is still, he's still working in your life and my life. He might be silent, but he's not absent. And our faith believes that no matter what we see or no matter what we feel, he's with us. Now let's just get honest, because this really leads us to the hardest question in all of this this morning. What if what if God doesn't do what you're believing for him to do? What if you're believing God to heal someone and they die? What if you're believing God to bring a kid back from addiction or rebellion and, and the more you prayed, it seems like the further they go into rebellion or into addiction further from God. What if? What do you do then? Because I know that's where some of you are living right now. That's where some of you are. That's where you're at. And, and I want you to write down this last thought as we try to tackle that deep question. Faithful obedience is our responsibility. But the outcome, it belongs to God. And this is the key. Living out what God has called us to do. The life that he had uh, purposed you to live. Uh, that is your job. Is to do what God has called you to do. And that is where your job ends. What God does after that is when his job begins. 
Our job is just to be obedient, to be faithful. And how he plays it out, how God plays it out, is entirely up to him. And in, in Daniel 3, verse 18, and I love this. Now remember, these guys are staring down the most powerful man in the world. And they're, they're saying, I believe that God is able, I believe that God is willing, but look what they said in verse 18. But even if, but even if he doesn't, hmm, that's good. These guys, their faith is so strong. They say, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never, ever serve your gods or worship the ghost statue that you have set up. We're still going to obey the outcome that belongs to God. Our obedience is still our responsibility. In other words, we will do what is right before God. And we'll leave the outcome to him. One of the great challenges that we face in reading a story like Daniel chapter 3 is, is that we know how it ends. We know how the story ends, right? In a psychologist, they call this the uh, hindsight bias, where, where we know uh, what the story goes and how it can end. And that's why it's so difficult to appreciate, uh, to fully appreciate the scriptures and the stories of the scripture. You know, before the crucifixion even happened. So we know that Jesus can be resurrected. We know how the story ends. And so because we're reading this story thousands of years after the fact, and because we know how every story ends, we lose the element of surprise. We lose the element of, of danger. We lose the element of risk and the element of faith that's involved in this story. And that's true of this story. We know What's going to happen to this story? We know what's going to happen. We, we, we're, we're thousands of years removed from this story, but we've got three young boys, and they're about to face a fiery furnace, and they don't know. Daniel chapter 3 has not been written for them yet. They don't know how this is going to play out. In, in all their mind, they're thinking they're about to become crispy critters. They're about to be burned up. You know, and, and they say, hey, they know that the possibility. They know that potentially could happen. They don't know what God's going to do, but their faith is unwavering. Why? Because they know the goodness and the power and the heart of their God. They know. And so in response to the young boy's rebellion, King Nebuchadnezzar, he is so mad. I mean, he gave them a second chance. He tried to be clear with them. He, brought, he made sure that they understood what they were doing, and these guys were like, hey, buddy, we're not, we're not going to defend this. We don't, have, we don't answer to you. And he is so mad that he orders the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter. He gets these men to throw them in the furnace, and the, fire is, and the furnace is so hot that the, the soldiers that were dragging these boys into the furnace, um, they died. They weren't even in the, in the furnace. They were outside the furnace, but it was so hot that these men, these strong soldiers, couldn't survive the heat blast. And so they throw these boys into the furnace, into their death, and, and, and check out what happens next in verse number 24. And suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men 
and throw them into the furnace? Yeah, we did that. Well, look, I see four men, and they're not tied up no more. I mean, they're, they're walking around the fire unharmed. I like to think that they were doing a fire dance. They're doing a fire dance. And, and the fourth, it looks like a god. Another translation, it said that the fourth looked like the son of a god. Who was the fourth man? And I believe, along with a lot of other biblical uh, scholars, that was possibly the, the pre-incarnate Christ. I believe that. And you say, well, what does that mean, a pre-incarnate Christ? Well, if you remember, God was there before the foundation of the world. You know, God the Trinity, the, the, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They, they've all been there. It's a mystery we cannot understand, the Trinity. But Jesus appears in the New Testament in bodily form, but he existed before he showed up. He, was, he existed before the foundation of the world. And so in the Old Testament, there were several times where Christ would appear to show up. And this is known as Christophany. Christophany. That's a theological word that maybe the next time you're in your life group, you can just kind of throw that out there. It's, oh, yeah, by the way, that's Christophany. You can kind of show off how smart you are. Uh, it means the pre-incarnate Christ. And so we see the Son of God in this story coming down from heaven into the blazing furnace, and he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. You see, my friend, when Jesus shows up, it's always a miracle. He's always working something for his good. You see, if you're taking notes, God reveals his power in many places, that's for sure. But you'll know his presence best when you're in the fire. God will show you his power in all kinds of situations and all kinds of different ways through the course of your life. But you will feel the, the tangible reality of the presence of God. You feel it the best when you're going through the fire. And some of you just need to hear that today. Isaiah 43, verse number 2. It said, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you will walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Jehovah God, the Jehovah Lord. I am, I always will be your God, the Holy One of Israel, your, your Savior. Notice that God didn't say if you walk through the fire. He says when you walk through the fire. While God didn't keep the boys from the fire, he did keep the fire from them. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Think about this question. Would you rather stay out of the fire and miss Jesus or go through the fire and walk with Jesus? Let, let me say that again. I want you to think about this. It's so important. Would you rather stay out of the fire and miss what Jesus is trying to do in your life or go through the fire and walk with Jesus. Some of us, 
were, were so careful to avoid the fires that you missed the blessing of his presence with us. Nebuchadnezzar, he called the boys to come out of the furnace and, and look what the king did. Look at verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, when God shows up in your hurt, when God shows up, the world will look on. They're looking in. And, and, and they will ultimately glorify God. They will see you, but they will praise God. They will say, man, praise be the God of, of Jason, who, who was set free from addiction and never went back. Or, or praise be to the God of Samantha, who, who stood by her husband when she didn't have to, and God has made her marriage better than ever. Or, or praise be to God of, of Jonathan, who honored God with his finances. Praise be to God. And when you stand in the middle of the fire, people are looking in. You know, people aren't looking in so much when things are going well and you're praising God. They're like, oh man, things are going well. It's easy to praise God when, when life is easy, when life is good, when life is, when you're not stuck, when you're not going through, you know, through the fire. It's easy to praise God. And, and, and people aren't, the world, they're not so impressed with that, but they are impressed. They are amazed when you're worshiping and praising God when you're stuck, when you're walking through the fire of life. So Nebuchadnezzar, he said, praise be to God. Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at this. He sent his angel to rescue his servant who trusted, who trusted in him. They defied the king's command. And they were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You see, when your faith is tested, that is a faith that can be trusted. A problem, my friend, they're going to come. They're going to come. And it's during those times of fiery trial that we find the strength and grace of Jesus in our lives. And so, God, you might be saying, God, I, I don't like the fire. I, I'm afraid of the fire. Why, why doesn't God just keep me out of the fire? Why do I have to go through the fire? And here's the answer, and this is the lesson we need to learn as we close out. God uses the fire to make you stronger, to be more like Jesus. That, that's why. That's why we go through this. And I know that we can't understand all that, but God is using the fires in our lives, the dark moments in our lives, to make us stronger and to be more like Jesus. You know, that's a common theme I'm hearing. As I talk to people, they're like, man, I, I, God is growing me through this. God is growing me through this pandemic. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to draw closer to him. I'm becoming stronger. Now pray, my friend, that you're growing to be more like Jesus. What is God doing? What is God doing? Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 3. God 
would sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver. God the refiner, he's a purifier, burning away the dross. That, the word dross is the word impurity. He's going to burn off the impurity. He plans to purify, refine them like gold and silver. See, God, my friend, God is the silversmith. You and I, we're the silver. And this is what the silversmith does. He, he, he puts the solid piece of silver. He wants to purify that silver. And that bar of silver, that piece of silver, has all the impurities in it. And, and he puts it in a little crucible, maybe a little uh, kettle. And he puts it into a furnace. And that furnace, my friend, is your own personal furnace whatever that might be. And he put that piece of silver into that furnace. He regulates the heat carefully because he doesn't want to burn the silver. That silver begins to turn into liquid. And the silver of that liquid begins to sink while the impurities or the dross float to the surface. And the silversmith, he'll pull it out out of the furnace carefully skim the top, the surface of that silver to remove the impurities. And then he puts it back into the fire again, carefully regulating the heat. Brings it back out, that piece of silver. It does this over and over and over again about seven times. Removing every time the impurity. And he knows that the silver is pure. It's that when he can look into the silver and clearly see his face on the surface. That's when he knows that he completed. When the silversmith sees his face clearly reflecting in the silver, he knows it's pure. And he removes the silver from the fire. Let me ask you this. When Jesus the silversmith, when he looks into your life, does he see himself in you? Because that's what he does. In the fire of life, he is helping us to become more like him so that he could be reflected in your life. And when he looks in, does he see in your life, does he see love? Is the love of Christ coming through you? Is he seeing joy? Is he seeing patience? Long-suffering? Is he seeing peace? Gentleness? Is he seeing his goodness reflected in your life? Faithfulness? Self-control? And he says, God, what are those? Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And are, are you exhibiting that? And that's what Christ wants to see in your life and mine. And as we go through the fire, we become stronger. We go back to the very first verse that we look at at the beginning of this message. And I'm hoping that what we've talked about today will bring some extra light to this verse. First Peter 1, verse 7. These trials show you that your faith is the real deal. 
is being tested as biotech and purified gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God uses the fire to make it stronger. A faith that's tested is a faith that can be trusted. There's a song that I'm going to encourage you this week, maybe today, this afternoon, after the message is over. And uh, we, we can't play this song uh, by mostly me um, because uh, Facebook would kick us off and uh, YouTube might kick us off. But uh, you could do this on your own. The song is called Even If. Even If by Mercy Me. Let me just read the chorus for you. And the chorus says, I know you're able and I know you can. I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. You've been faithful. God, you've been good. All of my days, Jesus, I will cling to you. Come what may, because I know you're able. I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. What fire of life, my friend, are you going through right now? What storms are you trying to weather in your life? And when you're in the fire, or when you're in the storm, when you're stuck in that, I want to encourage you to not give up. To not be weary and to quit. But to hold on. Because God is about to do something in your life. And it will never be the same. He's working. He's at work right now. And if you're here and you're watching and you don't know that you have a relationship with Christ, I, I invite you today to come to a relationship with the God who can, the God who's able, the God who knows all things, the God who's in control, even when it doesn't make sense. I invite you to come to know him in a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you. And you can do it right where you're at. You can come, and today, you can have a real personal relationship with the one true God. Let us pray. Father, Father God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the power of Daniel chapter 3. God, we thank you that we can have faith. Even when we don't see it, we can have faith in the one who can. So God, I pray that we, be, that we stay faithful to you when we're stuck in this moment, that we be faithful to you, that that we will obey you, that we won't compromise, and that, and that God, we can trust you with the outcome. We do our part, but God, we trust you to do your part, and even though it might not be what we think it should be, God, we know that you have a better plan and a better and a greater purpose. And so God, help us to trust you. And, and God, maybe there's someone here today that's watching God, I pray, maybe they don't know Jesus, 
and they have a relationship. God, I pray that today they come to know you. And if that's you and you're watching right where you're at, you can ask Jesus to come into your life. And he's waiting. You want to come in your life. All you have to do, the Bible says, all you have to do is to cry out to him. Call him into your life. He'll forgive you of your sins and give you a new life. The Bible said the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You have a new life in Christ. And so, well, Scott, what, what, what do I need to do? The Bible said we should call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And you cry out to him and say, Dear God, and it's a prayer like this, Dear God, come into my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want a new relationship with you. I want a relationship in, in the one who can. You alone, you alone can give me the hope that I'm looking for. Thank you for coming into my life and be my Lord, and be my Savior. And if that's you, you said, man, I pray that prayer. I ask you to come to my life. I celebrate with you wherever you're at. And, 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 don't, and don't, don't keep it to yourself. Man, I'd love to celebrate, celebrate with you. And, uh, and there's a way that you can. And in just a minute, Pastor Tom can talk about how you can share that information. And you ask Jesus to come in your life. He can give you information about how you can tell us and how you can share that information. We want to help you. We want to give you the tools that you need to grow in your new walk and your new relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your for the message. We thank you for your word, not my word. We thank you that we have hope in the one who can. Even if, even if you don't do what we think it should be done, we still trust you. Because you are greater. You are greater than all of our plans. And you know what's best. In your name I pray. Amen.